So we're talking about resolutions, and today we're going to talk about food. And I've noticed some of you didn't come. Actually, you're here, so not you, but many people didn't come knowing that we're going to start talking about food. It's a nervous topic to, to talk about food. It, it, it makes people uncomfortable, and, and in, some pl- in some sense, people think it has no business in the church. I've already gotten some comments about why aren't we preaching the word. And uh, the series on resolutions, we're taking the top four basically categories of resolutions that people make, and we're turning them into a four-month series. Because what happens a lot of times is we really fired up about our resolutions for the first week of the year, and then by week two, we've just kind of forgotten that the new year even began. And I believe as a pastor, and, and Scripture teaches that, it says that the pastors are given in order to help people and equip them for works of service. And so there's different categories of resolutions that people make that I think as a pastor it's good for me to inspire and encourage. And the first one is physical health. It's very difficult to be, to, to be active in acts of service if you're not physically healthy. It, 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 when it comes to, to all the categories that we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about relationships, we're going to talk about education, we're going to talk about spirituality. Your physical health plays a big part in it. So let's talk about relationships for a second. Uh, date night with your spouse or, or fun time with your friends. Or uh, I, just, I just read a, an article that there are daylight kids people put out about how to, how to help your kids. And one of them was to go for a walk with one of your kids. All of these things are directly tied to your physical ability to do such. If, if you're bedridden, if you just feel awful, if, you, if, you're, if you're tired all the time and just want to be a couch potato, it's going to be hard for your relationships to flourish. It's going to be hard for your spiritual life to flourish. It's going to be hard for your education to flourish. So there's, there's a reason, there's a spiritual reason that we talk about physical health and physical education. Scripture teaches this. It says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It says, with every part of you. There's a passage in the book of Romans that says we should submit our bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. It says, this is your, it says which, it's a holy, acceptable, pleasing sacrifice to God. And it says, this is your reasonable act of service. It's reasonable that God gave us this body and put breath in our lungs and that we say back to him, this is yours. Do what you want to with it. And in some sense, he's going to say, just take care of it. I gave this body to you as a gift. Scripture also teaches that the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and I found this quote recently that says, if you don't take care of your body, where are you going to live? The idea is that we are spirits that live in a body. And we, it, this is kind of like a house that we live in. And if we let the house decay, life just becomes kind of uncomfortable and, and difficult. And it becomes, very, it becomes very, very hard for you to make a, a positive impact in the world and to do acts of service. And Jesus said to go into all the nations and tell the good news. It's very difficult to go into all the nations or even to your coworkers if you just feel cruddy all the time. And so it's very important that we talk about physical health. This is my son, Siler, when he was about two or three years old. And I was involved with a campus ministry at that time. And our campus minister called Siler to the front of the, the, the auditorium. So it was a room with about as many people as are in here today. And he called Siler up, and he offered Siler two gifts. One of them was an envelope that had several hundred-dollar bills sticking out of it. And the other was some dummies candy. Guess which my two-year-old chose? The candy. Even though mom and I are in the back going, take the envelope. Choose the envelope. We can afford college. We'll put it in a mutual fund. It'll be great. And, and he's turning around looking at us, and the whole crowd's going, envelope, envelope. And he takes the candy like a big dummy, right? Now, what was the point that that pastor was trying to make? He was trying to make the point that a lot of times what we do is we take instant gratification over long-term success. 
We take what tastes good now and what feels good now, and we ignore what is actually wise. It would have been much wiser for him to take the, the money, right? With the money, he could afford almost a 10-year supply of dum-dums, right? It would have been wise for him to take the money, but he chose instant gratification. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to put your image here, and I want to close up the service and say thank you for coming. <laughs> when it comes to food, we're, we're the dum-dum. A lot of times, right, we don't use wisdom in our choices. We don't think long-term. We don't think about our future. We don't think about our kids. We don't think about how we're going to feel tomorrow. A lot of times, it's just instant gratification. And it's something that we need to seriously consider because we are in the middle, and the heavens are shouting, choose the wise path. Choose the good stuff. Make yourself feel good long-term. We're like, no, I think I'll have the Krispy Kreme. If kale cures cancer, we choose the chemo which is the point that Jim Gaffigan was making. And so we need to take a serious look at food. Now, don't freak out. I love to eat with the best of them. I am a foodie, which is part of the reason that I love living in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm not going to tell you not to enjoy food. I'm not even, te I'm not even telling my son never to have a dum-dum. They're smarties, actually, aren't they? I'm the dum-dum. They're smarties. <laughs> the dum-dums are the little, the little suckers. But I'm not tell I would never tell my kid never have a Smartie, but I'm saying given the choice, invest here so that you can afford the Smarties. If you invest in your health and you take care of your body, you can afford to have some cheat days. But if you have cheat days every day, the whole system just collapses. And so we need to be careful. I grew up on Mountain Dew. I remember growing up, going to the doctor when I was probably eight years old, and the doctor sitting my mom down and saying, these kids drink too much soda. He said, he said, if they keep, because he had asked us about our, di our diet and what we, what we eat and drink. And I was drinking, even as an eight-year-old, you know, three or four Cokes a day. And he said, look, he said, if they continue this, their health is going to decay over the long term. They're going to end up with kidney issues and sinus issues and asthma and all this other stuff. And this stuff, this stuff will destroy your kids, and you need to really think about it. And I remember we left there kind of laughing at the doctor. And I even remember my mom saying, well, maybe we should think about it. And we're like, oh, please don't take away our coke. She's all right, that's fine. And I'm telling you, I believe, and maybe I'm wrong, and it's not the only contributing factor. There's genetics and there's all kinds of other issues. But I have dealt with sinus issues and immune system issues my whole life. And I got to the point where in college, I would wake up of a morning, I would grab a Mountain Dew out of the refrigerator, ice cold, and I would drink it while I was in the shower. And then as I'm on my way to class, I'm drinking another Mountain Dew. And then after class, I, and I was drinking seven or eight of them a day, just Mountain Dew, just caffeine and sugar loading up. And I'd stay up till four in the morning playing volleyball, and then I'd sleep in and not go to class until one in the afternoon, and I'd practically fail out of college. And I'm convinced that a lot of it was nutritional. I was just garbage in, garbage out. I got to the point where I was taking so many painkillers and sinus pills that I was destroying my guts. I was destroying my digestive system. And then my immune system just collapsed. And basically, I've been sick for 25 years. That's just the reality. And I'm still on this journey of trying to recover from all that. Garbage in, garbage out. I was, ta I was taking... I, would, I, would, I got to the point, and this is embarrassing to admit, I got to the point where I was taking four ibuprofen first thing in the morning and a couple of leave, and then later on in the day I'd take four more ibuprofen, and then later on in the day I'd take six or eight Tylenol, just because I hurt all the time. I was achy all the time. I just felt awful. Some of you may be in the same boat. But the point is that I started very young feeding junk to my body 
And my body wasn't built to run on junk. We were built to run on food. Hippocrates, and you've probably heard of the Hippocratic Oath. The Hippocratic Oath is the oath that doctors take that basically says, I will do my best to help people medically. And Hippocrates said this. He said, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. We were meant to run on fuel. And a lot of times, just, just like if you take an exotic car, for example, and there's different types of fuel, and you want to give it the best fuel you can. If you have a Lamborghini, you're wanting to give it the high-octane fuel, right? The, the engine was meant to run on high-octane fuel. But if you feed it Coca-Cola or iced tea, sweet tea here in the South, or lemonade or even water, it's not going to run. You can, you can mix it with ethanol. You can, you can give it some, some good fuel and some bad fuel, and eventually that system is just going to collapse. And your body does the exact same thing. If you're not giving your body the nutrients it needs, it's going to collapse. As a pastor, I believe, and we've shown you this picture before, imagine if you could roll out of bed feeling like this guy all the time. I'm not saying that you're ever going to have deltoids like this guy has. But what if you could have that kind of energy all the time? What would you be capable of doing for the kingdom of God? A lot of times we don't want to serve because we just don't feel like serving. We say, oh, well, there's this small group, but I just don't even feel like getting off the couch. Oh, there's this coat drive. Well, I just don't even feel like getting out of bed. And a lot of it has to do with how we feel physically. And a lot of how we feel physically has to do with the fuel that we feed our bodies. And so I want to touch on, there's a lot of fads out there. There's, there's a lot of ideas that come and go when it comes on food. I want to touch on some very basic stuff that I think most of us will be able to agree on. There's a few things in my journey that you may disagree with. My goal is that you will make education where food is concerned a, a decently high priority in your life. But let's talk about the foundation. And I mention it in here very often because I feel very strongly about it. If somebody comes to me and says, my marriage is collapsing, one of my first questions is, how is your communication? Communication is a foundational aspect of marriage. If somebody comes to me and says, my spiritual life is collapsing, I'm going to say, what does your prayer life look like? If you're not praying at all, there's probably a reason that your spiritual life is collapsing. If your marriage is collapsing and you're not communicating, that's where to zero in. If your body is collapsing, this is the first place to look. Almost every system in your body is absolutely dependent on adequate water intake. It's very simple. We all know it, but it's one of those things that, that we don't... We don't process to the point where it revolutionizes our lives. Let's talk about a few of the impacts that water has on you. And really, it's all summed up in the very first line. Water is foundational in all body systems. Digestion, absorption, circulation, body temperature, brain function. If you have a brain fog, you might be thirsty. Kidney function, everything. Every part of your body operates on water. If you're not getting adequate water and you feel cruddy, that's the absolute first place to look. It helps control calories. A lot of times what happens is we eat because we think we're hungry when we're actually thirsty. That's just the facts. We, we overconsume calories because we're thirsty constantly because we don't consume enough water. And so we add on calorie after calorie, year after year. They say in your, after your 40s, the average person puts on a pound of fat every year. That that's, that's typical, at least in America. But one pound of fat equals approximately 15 calories a day over the course of a year, which is the equivalent of one little tiny, like, Tootsie Roll. It doesn't take a whole lot to make a huge impact on your body. And water will help you get that into balance. Water prevents fatigue and boosts energy. Again, if you're tired, you should drink water. Water makes you pretty. The, the, the idea that if you want good skin and you want your skin to look nice, you want to age nicely, Water is a huge part of that. Water, new, 
what's the, what's the word? It, it neutralizes. What's the word I'm looking for here? Help me out. Not moisturizes. Anyway, water brings the nutrients that your, that your skin needs, and your skin can stay supple and beautiful longer. It, it does hydrate, but that's not the word I'm looking for. But, but I really appreciate you guys' help in my sermon today. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for trying. I just, there's, no, there's no saving me at this point. Water flushes waste and reduces kidney stones. I, is it okay to ask this? Who's had kidney stones? Who wishes they didn't have kidney stones? My understanding is it doesn't much get worse from kidney stones. So if no other reason, drink a lot of water so that you won't feel like when you're having a, you're having a baby when you're not actually having a baby. Water lowers stress, it lubricates your joints, and it keeps you regular, which may be a huge bonus for some of you. Water affects everything in your body. I, I read this recently in Seven Pillars of Health. Water is the most foundational aspect of health. I'm going to disagree with the author, and I'm going to place breathing over this. <laughs> But I get what he was getting at. If you don't have water, you have nothing when it comes to your body. You have to give your body water. And I've heard this comment many times, you're not sick, you're just thirsty. A lot of times we think that our body is collapsing when the reality is we're just not giving it the fuel it needs and it needs water. So here's, here, uh, th this quote says, water is to the body what oxygen is to a fire, communication is to a marriage, which I mentioned, and money is to the stock market. If you want to look like this guy and bounce out of bed and have the energy and strength to do your job and to raise your family and to support your church and to do all the things that God has designed you to do, a huge part of it is giving it enough H2O. Now, here's a couple tips when it comes to water, and I'm going to fly through this. This is the, the chemical um, description of pure water. So if you want to know what water is made up of, it's two hydrogen atoms, one oxygen. This is the chemical makeup of tap water. Stare at that for a second. I want to encourage you to investigate the idea that maybe the tap water isn't the best place for you to be getting your water. Now, it varies from municipality to municipality, but you ought to know what you're drinking and what you're putting in your system. So I want to encourage you just to, we're not going to talk about this too much, but make it a point of focus for you to make sure you're getting enough clean water, that you're getting enough pure water, and there's methods to do that. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, you need to drink before you're thirsty. If you're thirsty, you're already dehydrated, and you're already maybe sick. You're already, your system is already looking for energy in places that it wouldn't normally need to pull energy. If you find yourself parched, if you find yourself thirsty, it's because you already made some bad decisions where water is concerned. So you need to saturate yourself with water consistently. Now, I offend people in this church, and people leave the church all the time. It just happens. Right now, you got, some of you are going to get just really steamed. You put coffee up there, and you, if you even, whoa, careful, that's my drug of choice. Some of us work at Starbucks and lead worship at the church. I'm just saying there are pagans and heathens around us all the time. Now, the only reason I want to put this up here is because I want to say be careful. Uh, there, there's a lot of uh, argumentation back and forth uh, as to whether coffee dehydrates you, whether caffeine dehydrates you, and the current research seems to indicate that it doesn't, that it's okay to go ahead and drink your coffee and drink your tea. But there's a lot of drinks out there that they don't do what water does. And if you, if you think that you can just have 12 Diet Cokes a day 
and substitute that for water, you will get some of the hydrating factors, but you won't get all the benefits of pure water. So my suggestion is if you're a heavy coffee drinker, if you're a heavy soda drinker, at least do your best to try to drink extra water. They say you need an, an ounce of water for, uh, take half your body weight. So if you weigh 180 pounds, you need 90 ounces of water every day. It takes effort to get that much water. And, and be careful about trying to substitute other drinks. And the problem is you drink other drinks which fills your belly and then you don't have space for water. So be careful and mindful about that stuff. Now that I've offended several of you, let's move on to food. Dun, dun, dun. I'm going to encourage you to eat bacon in this sermon so everybody calm down. Thank you. Thank you. Your body runs on nutrition. There's, there's all kinds of chemistry that your body needs all the time. And if you're not giving it to your body, certain parts of your body don't function the way they should. Let's talk about good food, good quality food, Nutri nutritious food. So it's not empty calories that hold nothing nutritionally. It's giving your body the vitamins and minerals that it needs. And again, it's the exact same line. It needs everything in your body runs on nutrition. Every, waking up of a morning with or without brain fog has to do with nutrition. Your mood when it comes to your spouse is connected to your nutrition. Your effect, uh, effectability at the workplace is affected by nutrition. It affects everything. Good food affects your body weight and composition, which, which of course, your body weight and composition plays a big factor in all kinds of other parts of health in general. Good food prevents fatigue and boosts energy. It affects brain health. It prevents cancer, heart disease, and diabetes, the big three. It boosts your immune system. It protects your teeth and bones. And again, it keeps you regular. So everything running smoothly. Good food is pivotal in every aspect of your life. So we're going to talk about spirituality. We're going to talk about your relationships. We're going to talk about your education. Good food is a factor in all of that. Now, I do want to encourage you to learn the bacon lesson. Let's just stand in awe and reverence for a moment. <laughs> there was a time in my life when I was doing my best to avoid fats. I was, doing my I was eating turkey bacon, which now it makes me shudder to think even such a thing. Don't raise the roof for turkey bacon. <laughs> it's, it's just not, it's not even right. You know, I'm doing, I'm doing my best to avoid butter. I'm doing my best to avoid sour cream and so forth. And the nutritionist, so, so if you want a reason to come and see this guy, some of you he will encourage to eat more bacon. Good enough reason to come, right? And my cholesterol had always been borderline in the 200, 200 plus range, and my triglycerides were always off the charts, and my HDLs and LDLs were all jacked up. And I had been on all kind, I've been, I had been on pharmaceuticals, I had been on natural supplements like niacin to try to bring it down, and nothing worked. And exercise, I exercise regularly, nothing worked. And he encouraged me that I needed more animal fats in my body. He said, you need more bacon. And I kissed him. I'm like, yes. Right? He said, you need more bacon. You need more real butter, not margarine, not the processed junk, but you need real, real churned butter. You need to eat more of these heavy creams and so forth. And I'm thinking, you are insane. But I started doing what he told me to do. I took his word for it. He, 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 he tested my metabolic type and said, you are a guy who your body works on fats and you need more fats. So I went and started eating all these fats. 30 days later, I went to have my cholesterol checked, and it had dropped like a rock in water. 
I mean, it was just, it was like half of what it had been. The nurse was so shocked by it that she tested me twice. They had a new pinprick way of testing, and she tested it and thought it was not working. And I explained to her what I had been doing with my diet, and she was amazed by that. Now, here's my point, and that may not be the solution for all of you. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say some of you should eat less bacon and not more. I, it's, it's almost heresy to say such a thing. But the point is that when you educate yourself on food and you, you look into it and you make it a priority, things can change. If you don't feel good, if you have cholesterol, if you have high, high blood pressure, if, 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 you're, if you're at a weight you're uncomfortable with and so forth, part of it is going to be educating yourself. Part of it is going to be searching out people who can help you, searching out books and, and websites, and making it a priority instead of just going with the health status quo that you've come to accept. I want to encourage you to shop around the walls when you go to the grocery store. And what I mean by that is around the walls is the produce and meats and natural fats and so forth, the, the good omega-6s and omega-3s. Um, there are some exceptions on the inside aisles, aisles and this is, this is just a concept to make you think about what you eat. It, they, they always say if your grandma couldn't pronounce it, don't eat it. If your grandma wouldn't eat it, don't eat it. It's this idea that there are, there are foods that come out of the ground, there are foods that come with animals, and those are the living foods that are good to eat. And all the other processed stuff you need to be careful about. I'm not saying don't eat it, but I'm saying primarily move to the outer aisles. Some of you, again, I'm going to lose people. I get it, but there is a poison that we need to discuss. If I put a picture of cocaine up here, a white powder, and told you that people were snorting it, even knowing that it was destroying their body, you would think, oh, those dumb people. But I put this white powder up here, and everybody goes, hey, now, boy, careful, right? This, processed white sugar is poison. I'll just say it out loud. I'm not saying you have to avoid it like you would avoid cocaine. The damage is totally different. But what I am saying is that you need to be careful about it. it. It's important that you learn what white sugar does to your body. One thing, it's partially addictive. It's not as addictive as cocaine or crack, but it is, to a varying degree, physically and psychologically addictive. It, it does affect your cholesterol. It directly affects your triglycerides, and current research seems to indicate that maybe sugar affects your overall cholesterol more than the fats that we all assumed at one time. So be careful about it for that reason. It's empty calories. Your body only is built to take in so many calories, and it's also built to take in nutrients. And so when you fill your body with 1,000 calories a day that have no nutritional value at all, you're automatically cutting in a third or cutting in a half the amount of nutrition you're taking in, and you're automatically affecting your kidneys and your liver and your brain function and your skin. It's just empty calories that doesn't help you. It builds body fat. There, there's two states that you can be in called catabolic versus anabolic. Anabolic is muscle building. Catabolic is muscle destroying. Uh, you get glucose spikes when you eat processed sugar. And what happens is your body ends up in a catabolic state, which eats muscle and builds fat. Um, they say abs are made in the kitchen. You cannot do enough sit-ups to get good abs. It, it, ta it takes nutrition. Uh, it causes insulin resistance, and it tricks the brain. Improper satiety. So satia satiation is this idea of when you get full. And your body is designed to know when it has had enough. And what happens when it comes to, to an overload of sugar is it short-circuits that mechanism so that your body starts to become confused about when it's had enough. So you might need 2,500 calories a day. But if you've had enough sugar, that sugar has short-circuited your nervous system to say, I need more than that, I need more than that. And, pri and primarily it says, I need more sugar. And so your body doesn't know when to stop. I don't know if you're like me for a very long time, but a lot of times you don't feel like the meal is over until you've had dessert. 
until you've had the sugar. And that's because the sugar has programmed you to believe that you're not full until it gets that spike in glucose. So be careful about sugar. They say the whiter the bread, the sooner you're dead. So just do your best to avoid simple carbs. I think this is kind of universally accepted in scientific circles now that, that simple carbs are dangerous. And I can't use the words white bread without thinking of my friend Ryan Brooks who would say, what did you call me? <laughs> you say cracker or white bread around He was like, what did you call me? So let's talk about some objections to good food and water. Number one, quality food and water is expensive. I want you to remember this phrase. You'll pay the farmer now or you'll pay the doctor later. You're going to spend your money somewhere on your health. And what happens is if you don't buy good food now, it does cost more. You need to budget more, take it seriously. If it means working extra jobs, your body is worth it. Invest in your body. If it means, making, if it means cutting off cable and not having diabetes, cut off cable. Whatever you have to do to be able to afford good quality food, do it and make it a priority. Let's talk about the yuck objection. I have a two-year-old, and if you put green vegetables in her mouth, this is what she does. She spits them back. You can say, don't spit the food, and she spits the food. And there, you may just think, I don't like good food. I like junk food. You are not two years old. You have a will and a volition, and you can overcome this. Now, I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not saying you have to get rid of junk food entirely, but what I am saying is that you need to buck up and just realize that you're destroying yourself. You're dest you, you can be destroying your future with your children. It can affect everything. If you read Scripture, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit. So when the Spirit of God lives in you, this is the inevitable result are these things, love, joy, peace, and self-control. And so you may think, I don't have self-control. I'm telling you there is a God that cares about your body. He cares about your system, and he wants to see you healthy, and he can invest in you. Ask him. In James, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Who doesn't, he doesn't show any favoritism, and it says he will give it to you. So if you lack self-control, and you say, I can't do this, and I, 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 I eat to escape, or whatever, I'm telling you there's a God that wants to help and wants to assist. And I'm, ask, I'm asking you to ask him. Say, God, show me the areas that I'm hurting myself and help me overcome them. You guys have heard of Bill Shakespeare. He says, our bodies are our gardens and our wills are our gardeners. It's up to you to take care of your body. And I want to encourage you to take it seriously. Next objection, I told you to take a picnic last week. I told you the value of not stressing. And so I, real, I realize that you talk about food, you talk about sugar, you talk about coffee, you talk about all kinds of things, and people get their hackles raised. And I'm one of them. I, I love good food. Like, not, if you put all of you together and compare it to my love for food, you guys lose. I'm convinced. <laughs> I love good food. But I also want to be healthy enough to pick my children up when I'm 65 or, or even 80 years old. I want to live a long, healthy life, not one where I suffer and struggle because I feel cruddy all the time. And so I do encourage you, don't get stressed out about this. And, you know, I mentioned earlier your image here, that, you, that we're always at this choice between instant gratification versus long-term success. And I want to encourage you, just let the picture look like this. I'm not saying give up donuts entirely. I'm not saying give up sugar entirely. I'm not saying anything like that. What I am saying, I, I believe in probably the 80-20 rule, maybe the 90-10 rule. 80-20 is a pretty good balance. I'm not asking you to go out now and only eat kale. God forbid that I would do such a thing. I don't deserve to be a pastor at that point, okay? What I am saying is put more superfoods in your diet. 
Put more foods in than you're consuming now that will actually give you the nutrients that you need. And then once, you've ha once you have the cash in hand, you can afford to have some candy here and there. Once you have a healthy system and you've gotten to a healthy body weight, you've gotten disease out of your system, and, you're, and I'm, again, I, I want to make it clear, I'm not saying that food is the only contributing factor to health. It's not. Genetics plays a huge factor. But you're always going to be better off eating well and hydrating your body. Learn to have fun within the boundary of building a healthy body.